Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. On tonight's episode, we will be talking about the new Stark Tactics deck and the revealed units, uh, as well as the uh, commander they revealed with uh, the Visions and the Flame. So if you have not already checked it out, uh, go to A Song of Ice and Fire, Simon's uh page where you can look up all their different articles. It should be the latest article labeled uh, Vision in the Flames Stark in 2021. That's where you can uh, view everything that we'll be going over tonight as reference if you want to follow along there. Uh, as well as that, if you have not already checked it out, um, go straight to On the Table Gaming. You can then listen to their uh, podcast where they will where they are uh, interviewing, uh, is it Michael and Fabio, or is it uh, just one or the other for this one? Do you remember, Brett? I think typically Chase uh, Chase grabs both of them. I know George and I did a take on it with just Fabio, but yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain that when Chase does his content, which it's absolutely phenomenal quality content, I'm fairly certain that he's generally got. Um, Fabio and Michael involved, so uh, definitely worth a listen. Uh, make your make your rounds and listen to everybody's take on it. Um, it's important to give some love to every content creator, and everybody's going to have a different kind of take on it. They're going to they're going to add something that maybe somebody else missed, or their their hot take on it's going to be just a little bit different. So it's definitely good. Um, if you love the game, you can't get enough of it to listen to uh, just about everyone and, and hear what they have to say. Agreed. I uh, I would say you know every content creator kind of has their own uh, their own little twist take, as you were mentioning. So I would highly recommend you know kind of checking a little bit of everyone out, especially if you got the time. If you're just you know driving, you know kind of play whatever uh, you know whatever you can at that moment. Uh, for our show, if you guys are new uh, listeners, we kind of do a more deep dive, more in-detail uh, look on everything. That's why our shows tend to be a bit longer than uh, some of the other podcasts. Uh, not by much, um, maybe usually just about 10, 20 minutes longer, but we really try to kind of deep dive into all the possibilities. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic, so I like to kind of jump right into some of the great potentials in the uh in everything that's been revealed so um tonight we have with us just brett currently but justin will be on in a little bit um so while we're kind of giving justin a little extra time to jump on uh just going to do a couple shout outs uh, in the beginning, rather at the end if you guys have not already checked out our facebook page we are doing a giveaway. Uh, it is f uh, to seven random winners, and we will be drawing the winners on uh, April 2nd. It will be, the seven winners will get a uh, card pack of their choice for the new faction card packs when they come out. Uh, simply liking the Facebook page and then commenting on the post will get you one entry. And then for every foil pack that you bought of the uh, I believe the Simon Asia Expo had uh, a bunch of foil card packs for each faction. For each faction pack you bought, even if it's duplicates, if let's say you bought two Starks and one Baratheon, that'll be three extra entries. 
All you have to do to get those extra entries is in your comment, uh, when you comment, just uh, post some uh, pictures as proof and then a timestamp. Uh, a timestamp can simply be a piece of paper that you wrote on uh, that says uh, the time and date. It kind of gives a little more um, authenticity to your that way someone can't kind of like Google a picture of one and then take the picture uh, or even steal your picture. And then I don't know who's the real owner of the, of the picture. So uh, yeah, and we will, like I said, be picking seven different winners. Uh, you can only win once. So even though you do have a much greater chance to uh, win by submitting extra foil packs, or extra pictures for the foil packs, you will still only be able to win once. I kind of want to spread out um, the potential for winners. Um, but I also wanted the those that invested a ton of money into the foil packs to kind of get a better chance of getting of winning because I wanted to kind of give back to you guys because I was in the boat that I almost purchased a ton of foil packs. So I can kind of sort of uh, picture, you know, what you're going through. So uh, with that said, uh, we do have Justin with us. Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. Oh, no problem. Thanks for always having me. And then we also have Craig. Thank you as well for coming on. No problem. Sorry, I'm driving if it takes me a second to respond to you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, uh, so tonight we have with us uh, Justin, Craig, and Brett, uh, and so I guess we will jump right into it. Uh, we're going to start off with the Stark Tactics deck. Uh, first up, we have Winter's Might. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains Sundering and may re-roll any attack dice after completing this attack. The attacker suffers two wounds, minus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. If you control the combat zone, this attack also rolls its highest attack die value. So this one, right off the bat, kind of uh, after you know looking at the rest of the tactics deck, seems to be clearly replacing uh, Northern Ferocity, uh, which before was giving you... Um, Sundering, um, why am I blanking? I know you've got Vicious if you're at last rank. Uh, do you guys remember what the rest of Northern Ferocity did? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, Vicious, Sundering, and I think it was Panicked or Vulnerable if you had uh, the swords. Oh, yep. So uh, if you have the swords, they become vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, I would say... Uh, I don't know. I think I, with all the changes to terrain and everything uh, that we've seen so far, I actually think I like uh, Winter's Might better than I did uh, Northern Frosty. How do you feel about it, Craig? Uh, mixed feelings. Um, in some ways, I agree, but I just I don't like taking wounds. Yeah, I suppose that is uh, you know kind of a big thing I overlooked. You know, the fact that this will do damage to yourself. Um, though, even though Northern Frosty didn't do damage to yourself, I do want to point out the, that w this is a trend we will start seeing with a bunch of different effects in this reveal. I do like this much better than the D, you know, taking D3, like random wounds. Um, this is a lot more predictable and also, uh, a lot more tame, uh, in the sense that before, um, 
let's say like with Stark Fury, it was, you know, full ranks you could take anywhere from one to three, two ranks anywhere from one to three, and then finally the last rank would be none. But for this, you're only ever taking two, one, none. So, uh, I mean, overall you're taking much less damage than you probably ever would with, uh, with Stark Fury, uh, granted, you know, unless you're rolling a bunch of ones all the time. How about you, Justin? Uh, I mean, I get, I can totally agree that it's, it's the predictability of the wounds is really important. Uh, other than that, I see this as, I, I don't want to say like generic, but this is, this is a, you know, this is an attack card. It's, it's really plain. It's really simple. It's, it's what you need also. So I think it's, uh, it's right up Stark's alley. We'll see how they play as a whole though. I do have a bitter, bitter taste in my mouth for them Starks. So maybe this will lighten that taste. <laughs> How about uh, you, Brett? Anything that kind of sticks out about this card for you? Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's actually a really powerful card. Um, I think once you get past the fact that you're taking wounds where you didn't take wounds before, I know that the big hurdle for some Stark players uh, that I've gathered, you know, on Discord and places like this, it's um, it's a it's a hurdle for them to overcome. But if, if you really just look at the card in a vacuum. Um, as I've mentioned in some of the other podcasts, it's very, very dangerous. Uh, it's a dangerous mindset to compare things to what they used to be. Uh, we went over this when Canic changed from, you know, taking the difference in what you rolled to your morale value as opposed to the D3 wounds. It was just a, a mental game that just wasn't good to, you know, roll the D3 and say, oh, well, in the previous version, I would have only taken one wound, and now I just took uh, four uh, and then eventually you just adjust and you just get used to it. This is another case like that. Uh, once you get past the wounds, um, which I, I think in the bigger part of the game, it's just going to be one wound. Um, once the melee started to happen and once things have gone on, it's going to be one or zero. But if you have to consider the upside of the card, right? You can't just look at, oh, well, I hurt myself to do damage. You have to look at the whole picture. So re-rolling your attack die is always a powerful, powerful thing that you can do. Um, I might be drawing a blank, but I can't really think of effects in 1.6 that just flat let you re-roll your attack die when you're in a static fight. Sorry, I'm driving as well. Um, so that's a big change. Uh, now when you consider that a lot of things in the game have switched over to fours to hit, um, being able to re-roll your attack dice is pretty substantial. Then additionally, you've seen uh, damage output basically drop across the board. Things that were eight generally have gone down to seven, things like this. Um, the, the bonus effect from the swords being able to roll your highest attack dice value. If you look at this in the 2021 com uh, comparison, right? So it's not fair to compare anything to 1.6. You have to compare 2021 cards to other 2021 cards that we've seen. This is actually a really strong card. This is a very serious damage multiplying card. Um, it's valid to be played on units like Berserkers. Um, if they're in a grind and they're down almost to their last rank or something like this, or if you control the swords, even if they're at their full rank, picking up the thundering again and re-rolling those hits, you can reliably expect seven to eight hits when you're hitting on threes if you get re-rolled. Um, six 
is going to be something that can happen, but I think more often than not you're seeing seven to eight, and that's pretty substantial for a, a static combat. You're picking up thundering as well. Um, I think the card's great. I, I, I just wish that more people would look at it as a whole picture versus just seeing the downsides of it. You know, you've got to look at everything, and I think it's a very balanced card. I think it's really fair, and it's a very powerful effect, and that's why you're paying for, you know, a maximum of two wounds, but normally one to zero, I would say. Agreed. And, you know, it's, like you said, it's going to take some getting used to with the, the taking wounds. Um, one thing to note with this is it's uh, minus one for every destroyed rank. So cavalry are going to be taking, um, always going to be at least taking one wound uh, when they play this card. Because uh, obviously with only having two ranks, even at their last rank, they'll only have one destroyed rank. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, moving on to Northern Ferocity, uh, when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains Vicious, and if the defender fails that panic test, they suffer plus one wound for each of the attacker's destroyed ranks. After completing this attack, the attacker suffers two wounds, minus one for each of its destroyed ranks. Uh, so this one will have the same uh, uh, timing as Winter's Might, so you won't be able to play them in conjunction with each other, but uh, you know, it will also uh, pack your deck with, you know, just uh, attack boosts. Uh, one thing I want to note with uh, this added effect and with uh, the effect of the House Umber Great Axes is the potential that uh, Starks are going to be having a lot of this vicious splash, you know, panic boosting in their deck. Uh, or in their faction, as well as the next card we'll be talking about, which will give out a panic token. Um, I think that will give lend a lot more uh, to trying to build lists with Boltons in mind, because that was one of the things that always kind of bothered me with the fact that the Boltons seem to be that neutral uh, addition that you really kind of wanted to throw in Starks and Lannisters, but really... I mean, they meshed so much better with Lannisters than they ever did with Starks that, you know, you'd see it with uh, Lannisters all the time, but rarely ever with Starks. But I think now, with seeing a lot of these uh, effects, you can really start to um, uh, just compound on that panic uh, mechanic with um, this faction. How do you feel about that, Justin? Uh, like, personally, it doesn't really matter to me, because I'm never going to splash them with Starks, but <laughs> as any good game and things that I can really appreciate in games, uh, like, that's that's a good thing. The more variety, the more ability to play things in multiple combinations effectively, uh, the more balanced, the more entertaining it can be. I would say most of the time, people don't want to just play the exact same army the exact same way every time forever. Like, they want they want variety. Variety is a flavor of life, right? Like, super important. So it's it's exciting to see uh, this potential. I mean, obviously the meta will generally swing things in a specific direction, but the more that this uh, this kind of situation happens, the more it'll be a lot more adaptable. I think. How about you, Craig? Uh, I love it. 
I love that they uh, switched, um, you know, with the original Northern Ferocity, you had Thundering, and then it was a trick to get Vicious off with it. But Vicious is what I always wanted. Um, Thundering was not hard to get in a Stark list, you know, with the uh, Tully Cav and the Berserker. But Vicious was always hard to find. And in scenarios where you want your opponents to fail panic tests to take objectives away from them, uh, that Vicious was key. And now it's now there's so much more access to it just with this card. Um, I'm actually I'm a huge fan of it. And, and then on top of it, it adds wounds to your opponent, which, again, is huge. It's a whole other dimension, as Justin was saying. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, and we'll definitely we'll uh, touch back on this card uh, once we go over the Great Axes to talk about some of the crazy combos with it. But yeah, this card I think is going to be one of those cards that's it's not going to be super useful in a in a ton of situations, but it's going to be like a key card at a key moment. Uh, it's going to be it's definitely not going to be one of those cards that you're going to see it. And you're like, oh man, I just want to get rid of it. Obviously, I'm, but what I mean is there's going to be times where it's just kind of okay. And other times where, you know, this extra boost is really going to push through the damage you need to kind of finish off a unit. It's another tool you, in the Brett? toolbox. Yep. Um, I'm going to be probably a little bit more honest with this one than I normally am. I generally have like a, <laughs> a spin on things. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is a bad card because it's not. The, it's not a bad card. The the only drawback I see with this card, um, if I draw it late game, when I've been in a grind for a while, when my units are starting to be damaged, uh, I'm super happy because I get this effect probably without paying much of a price. However, if I draw this early, this just, it, it could be, right, if you're mixing in panic tokens, could be an, an alpha striking kind of card. But if I'm at full rank and I pick up Vicious, then I'm banking on my opponent to fail the panic test. If the panic test is only D3 wounds, and I'm taking two wounds to gain Vicious, I'm almost just trading wounds for them. Situationally, that can be cool. Um, something like Lannister Guard, I want them to be, <laughs> I want them to be down to their last rank to really deaden Lannister supremacy, right? I want to take the buff away from Lannister supremacy, so I need to knock their ranks off. Um, three folk, if I really want the Raiders to fail the panic test and get, you know, the D3 plus two, uh, sure, I'll pick up Vicious just to make sure I can burn through those Raiders. Um, however, if I, if I, if, if this is in my opening hand, it might get tossed, um, but that's fine because this is something, this is recognizing where the card strength is. This is a late game card. This is a late game card. It's going to be great in the late game. Um, and that's fine. Not every card is a winner, <laughs> like we see in the current Stark deck. I'm sorry, Stark players, but uh, I play them too. The current Stark deck, it, yeah, it's just like, well, how happy am I going to be? You know, because every current Stark card is super playable in almost every situation. So it's fine that there's, you know, cards that are better in, in certain situations and not every single card is gas. So... From that perspective, I like the card. I like the design. I like the I like the fact that it's giving Stark a toolbox. Toolbox. It's actually giving them some pretty substantial panic damage potential. So I like it. I like it from that element. It's cool. 
um, yeah, that's, that's, that's about it for that. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, I think first read-through, I was thinking um, for every remaining rank you had, it was plus one. But yeah, the fact that it's for every rank you have gone for both effects to really kick off. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a at least a mid, if not late game, depending on you know how damaged the unit is. Um, so yeah, well, from a narrative tell, perspective, from a narrative perspective, just like from a design space, when you're using your imagination, which I mean you probably should be doing when you're playing war games, right? But from that perspective, I think the card is so cool. I think the design of the card is just so neat because you've got this unit that, you know, is almost dead and they're just giving you one last, they're just giving you all they have with that last rank. And this attack is just so horrifying from this last rank of guys that you're breaking your enemy's morale and they're running away even more than they normally would. So from that perspective, it gets like A++ for fluff design. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this one plays plays out for the faction. Uh, next up, we have Devastating Impact. When a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling the charge distance dice, enemies successfully charged by this unit become panicked and vulnerable. And if you control the maneuver zone, this unit may re-roll any charge distance dice. So uh, as, you know, this card before was... Uh, let me pull it up just for clarification. When a friendly unit charges, so they definitely cleaned up the, the trigger because, you know, a lot of people didn't really under, necessarily understand uh, if that was, like, before you roll the dice, after you roll the dice. Um, I know, like, once you had been playing for a while, like, it was, you know, you just learned what it was, but it wasn't, like, necessarily super clear. Uh, so they've definitely cleaned up the, the trigger of the card uh, and before it was the unit may re-roll the charge distance dice and their attack dice uh, yields two automatic hits. If you control the maneuver zone, it's an auto six for the charge and two auto wounds. So, I mean, I think most everyone could agree that that card was devastating. Uh, whereas now I think it they've turned a card that was potentially way too good into a very strong good, fair card that to be, you know, in certain situations very cr uh, critical to, you know, pulling off, like, a very devastating hit. Uh, Brett, I'm going to jump to you first for this one. What do you think? Sure. Um, again, coming from me, I'm, I'm not, like, a Stark player by design, right? But I've, I've heavily leaned into them lately in the competitive scene because I feel like they give me, um, sorry for all the noise. I'm just getting to where I can stop. Um, <laughs> I've leaned into them because from, from a competitive perspective, right? It's, it's not a secret. I play almost always tournament games. They give me a chance to just be able to make a list that can deal with everything. So with that said, obviously I've wombo comboed with devastating impact. <laughs> Every time I do it, I, there's not one time that I just feel good about it. <laughs> like uh, talking with Fabio, of course, with George earlier this week, like this was one that Fabio identified that they had recognized as a problem card, the 1.6 version. It just gives you too much free stuff. So I'm sorry 
but also not sorry for any Stark players that are really lamenting the loss of the old devastating impact. Like, yeah, it was just way too good of a card. Two hits automatically. Um, don't even get me started on the old grade axis. The one situation where you didn't want to control the maneuver zone because two hits with mighty cleave is actually better than two direct wounds. <laughs> but it would just save <laughs> out so much stuff. But in, in addition to that, right, so just looking at this card, it, it's not a bad card. It's a really good card. You're re-rolling your charge distance. There's not any terrain pieces that force you to roll two dice and select the, uh, the lowest. So you're always re-rolling that charge distance. And, like, it's a panicked and vulnerable with a card. Like, it's such a good card. This is a situation where this can be, like, the, the setup, right, for Northern Ferocity. You, you play this card into Northern Ferocity because they're vulnerable. You're going to make them take wounds. They're panicked. Now the Vicious really comes into play, and you can re-roll that D3 to make sure that you're on the better side of that wound exchange. Uh, this card is just nasty. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And again, from the 2021 point of view, this is just a good card. Yep, and this can be combined. I mean, the fact that it gives a panic and a vulnerable, that means this card is going to combine with either Northern Ferocity or Winter's Might. You know, you have that vulnerable to combine with the Sundering, or you have that panic token to combine with the Vicious. So combining, you know, like uh, any of those two cards or either of those two with devastating impact is going to be, you know, a really hard hitter. And if you have the maneuver zone, you know, you just, you're ensuring that you're getting, you know, in without a disorderly for the most part to be able to play the winter's might or Northern frosty. Um, and if you just happen to have the combat zone to, as well for winter's might, you know, rolling your highest attack that value, um, I mean, there's so much like potential with the, between those cards. Um, Craig, how do you feel about it as a Stark player? I'm lamenting the loss of the old devastating impact. <laughs> um, but I'm really going to miss that auto six. Um, flip side of that, though, the panicked and vulnerable is so much better than the two hits or two wounds. Uh, I agree with Brett. This is an incredibly strong card from what we've seen going into the 2021 version. I do like it a lot, but it's going to take me a long time to get over losing that auto, auto six, because that's been a game winner for me at times. Yeah, and I think one thing about the this reveal in particular is we haven't seen Lannisters yet. And Lannisters and Starks were the first two, like, full-fledged factions and you know so some people who are like diehard Stark or Lannister you know they're pretty invested and so like super knowledgeable and used to their tactics decks like more so than pretty much anyone else and so taking away key cards and replacing them even if you're replacing them with great cards like you know, in my opinion, I love the new Devastating Impact. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say I like it better than the previous, but I'm okay with the change. But like you said, Craig, it's going to take time getting used to it because, you know, you, you play certain tactics cards for so many years as your main faction since the game pretty much came out. It's definitely not something you're going to be able to get used to overnight. But uh, I think, you know, uh, just trying to get some games in or, you know, TTS, anything you can to kind of just get you into the new uh, groove of uh, 
these tactics cards, I think the better. Uh, how about you, Justin? How are you feeling about the change? Well, first, I resent the fact that you said Stark and Lannister players know their decks better than anybody else. Neutral's been out that? just as long. Oh, I so you just why I said like full fledged faction. Ah, neutral's is yeah, full fledged re- in my faction. book. <laughs> uh, nope, neutral's yeah, is the only real only faction. Only played men and bastards girls <laughs> for like. I had a one cutthroat. <laughs> they were hard to get, man. Anyways, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> I can't tell you how many games have like it's been either close or like, all right, cool, I'm gonna win this game. And then out of out of nowhere comes a swift advance followed by a devastating charge into the worst possible imaginable situation ever, and it completely wins them the game and required very little to no effort. They just had to have the cards in their hand. Play, play, no risk, all reward. I'm in. You're dead. I'm going to go somewhere else now. It's great. Um, I win. Uh, so I always hated devastating impact. I thought it was ridiculous that you absolutely guarantee something. Um, I think this card is pretty close to guaranteeing your charge should you need it when you get to re-roll because of the horse. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. So, like, you're probably going to make it, but there's always that chance that, you know, it just goes wrong and you don't make it when you have the horse. But no matter what, when you do successfully charge, panic and vulnerable token on someone is a lot of damage. In fact, probably more than just the auto wounds, obviously. Um, so, I like it. There's there's still a chance that you don't make it, and if you don't make it, this card's worthless. Um, you actually have a strong possibility of completely not getting this card off at all. You play it, and then you, it gets wasted. Um I think I think this is good. I think this is really good. I think it's still going to hurt a lot when it happens, and vice versa. When it doesn't happen, it's going to hurt even more. Yeah, and to point out what uh, Justin was talking about, but um, you could play this card and it uh, technically not happening, is the fact that you have to play it before you roll your dice. So you've declared your charge, uh, and then before you roll your distance, uh, it only applies to them if you successfully get in. So if you're if you roll one, and you're just out and you fail that charge, uh, you won't panic and vulnerable your opponent, but the card will have still been used. Um, so that is one thing to keep in mind when playing this card. So it may be something that the the Stark player chooses not to play the card because he doesn't want to waste it should he fail because it may not it may not be a good charge for whatever the, the reason. Yeah, especially if it's like a four up, you know, even with a, a four up with a re-roll, you know, if, unless you really need that extra damage, it might be better to hold on to it, but it'll be a, a case by case. Um, next up, we have winter is coming. When a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, enemies successfully charged by this unit cannot be the target of friendly orders or tactics cards this turn. If you control the maneuver zone, this unit may reroll any charge distance dice. So same trigger as Devastating Impact with the same bonus for having the maneuver. So you can't play these cards uh, together. Um, but they will, it does, one thing to note right off the bat is you now have four cards in your deck that, uh, you know, between two copies of each that are going to give you 
re-rolls on your charge distance as long as you have that maneuver zone. So if you really, if one turn you have one of each in your hand, I mean, if you take that maneuver zone, get a free maneuver, and now uh, you have potentially two re-rolls, I mean, you're probably not charging more than twice that round anyways. So you're really going to ensure that you get get those charges off. How do you feel about this one, Bre uh, uh, Craig? We'll go with you first. Oh, I love it. Um, it's just an upgraded version of what we had before. Um, and I think before we also had two re-roll, or four re-roll cards in our deck for re-rolling charges. So I'm glad they kept that the same. That's a big deal. Um, yeah, it's just an improved version of what it was before, and it was already good. Yeah, I, I definitely like the fact that they kept this in here. Um, how about you, uh, Justin? Well, I'm going to sneeze. Call him Brett. Okay. <laughs> Brett, what do you, is, uh, how do you feel about this one? I know, like, comparing the old and the new isn't, like, you know, a great thing to do, but just kind of, you no, know. It's important. it's important because I get to be, I get to genuinely on live TV be a heartbreaker for you guys. This card <laughs> actually got, this card actually got, yeah, I'm going to put air quotes, right? This card got nerfed. Um, if you read it again, the only the change to this is the target of the charge. The defender cannot be the target of orders or tactics cards. This has opened up the possibility of things like hidden traps, counter charge, counter plot. Uh, you just can't target the defender with a card, something like uh, the old Wealth of the Rock, or they couldn't use their order um, set for charge. But um, if something like Ready, Aim, Fire exists, since it happens before the charge is actually successful, you would still get shot by the crossbows or the war machine or whatever has Ready, Aim, Fire. So it's actually uh, still a strong card, but it has opened up a lot of counterplay to the, um, to the person being charged. Uh, we know that Sentinel as an order exists in uh, Baratheon Sentinel they would be able to countercharge you. So things like this. Um, so now, now, do you guys want to go back and give your opinions on it again? Did I did I ruin your day? Whoever plays Craig, we'll go to you first. Fired. Yeah, whoever plays this, it should be fired. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, the effect before was a bit strong. That's hard for me to admit as a star player, but it was a bit strong. This is still really good, and they still added the reroll, so I'm still happy. How about you, Justin? How do you feel um, yeah. about the, the the change? Uh, I mean, I'm good with it, I suppose. Uh, this is, I think I've said it like for every faction reveal, I really like the idea that factions are getting these buff cards that you attach to them um, for units. Whatever like role that takes isn't really something that bothers me. I mean, um, but it's it's nice to be able to choose your favorite unit or a unit that you want to succeed, and you can make them that little bit stronger. Brett's got a pretty good point that uh, it, it can be pretty hindering in specific situations, that it only affects the targeted unit, but 
in other situations, that can be very, very important. So if you're not going up against Baratheons or hidden traps from what Hallen Reed or whatever, um, like it may still be exactly what you needed in the time. So uh, it's really situation dependent. And if you're fighting certain factions, you know that it's going to be a potentially successful card. Isn't Lannister supremacy in order now? Yes. Yeah, it'll shut that off. Alone makes it worth it. <laughs> that alone makes it worth it. That alone. Yes, I agree. It's, I mean, yeah, the new Lannister supremacy is, is wild. <laughs> yeah, it's very good for uh, starting to peel those ranks off of the Lannister guardsmen before um, they get to trigger their order and, and really make you hurt. So definitely a very solid counter to, to that ability. Or even uh, the new uh, Stagnites. Would that one work as well, I think? Yes, it will shut off resilience as well, which is very, very helpful because the new Stagnites are definitely um, definitely very hard to bring down. Yep. And especially if you can combine Winter's Coming uh, to turn off that uh, resilience and, you know, like combined with like a Winter's Might, you know, that Sundering, you know, re-rolling dice, uh, potentially highest attack die if you didn't already have it. Um, you could really put some hurt on the Stagnites, you know, before they have a chance to really recover. So uh, moving on, we have, we see another uh, swift reposition. Um, the, at the start of this turn, target one friendly combat unit, it shifts two inches. If you control the maneuver, that unit performs three-inch maneuver action instead. So I think we kind of already talked about this one back uh, when they revealed, um, was it a faction or one of each card or something? Uh, I don't know, but we had talked about it previously. And, you know, Brett, uh, mid-conversation, changed my mind about it. Uh, I think uh, the... Swift Advance was just too easy to use. It was too just kind of straightforward and gave you so much surprise on your opponent that there wasn't much, like, tactically, like, with that card. Whereas Swift Reposition has a high ceiling with the potential of what, you know, you can think, uh, like, between what uh, you can kind of imagine, you know, doing with it with the tactics, you know, because it's start of any turn, it opens up a lot of play. How do you feel about this card, uh, Craig? Cause I don't think we've had you on uh, to talk about it yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, make sure you control the horse. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's really good if you have the maneuver, maneuver zone. Otherwise it's another one of those cards that is probably really good for the new uh, the new version of the game, but it's going to take some getting used to to not have that crutch to lean back on that you had before. But I do agree that crutch uh, that used to be Swift Advance was a bit too much. So it's probably a good change. It's just another one that's going to really take some getting used to. I mean, I think combined with Rob and uh, his uh, commander's order, and taking the maneuver zone, I think, is going to be insanely good because um, you could start of turn, shift two. In that turn, take the maneuver zone to then maneuver, let's say it's a 
Berserker and you're moving six. Now you've moved eight. And then the very next start of the next turn is your enemy's turn. You can do uh, Rob's uh, tactical reposition and move another three. Uh, that much movement could easily get you into like out of line of sight. And with all that said, they haven't even activated. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to you really need to kind of plan some cool maneuver techniques uh, to kind of make use of this card. How about you, Justin? You said that sometimes you surprise enemies with the uh, swift advance. Nah, I was never surprised. I always <laughs> knew it would hit me right when I didn't need it to every time. Uh, <laughs> you always played I, as if everyone had an extra six inches. <laughs> yeah, like, mm, what do I do? All right, if I stay you know, 18 inches away from the berserkers, I might be okay. <laughs> That's kind of how I played. Uh, this card I like a lot better. I think... I think there's going to be some just very initial, you know, grumbles and groans about losing, like, this is half of what it used to be or whatever the case. But I think people are going to swiftly realize there's probably quite a lot of times, even with the current Swift Advance, that you didn't need to move five or six inches. Maybe you just needed to move two or three inches in one direction, two inches in one direction, or a free maneuver for three. Like, it may still get you exactly what it did before, and then other times, it just gets you a little less. So instead of needing a one on your dice, which obviously it can't go lower, you now need a three, or it's four. Like, it makes the odds still pretty good, and it gets you where your opponent probably doesn't want you to be, uh, but it's going to, like, your opponent's not just going to have to sit back in his deployment, like, well, I don't want those berserkers charging my whatever the heck this, the cutthroats, and watching them explode, <laughs> or whatever the case. Um, so this card, I think, definitely gives Stark players more ability to grow. I'm going to say that. No offense, guys. <laughs> so one thing I want to point out with this card, which would be an awesome thing to use it for, is even just ranged units. So if you know you're going to go first uh, uh, on the second round, you can move your range unit up within uh, shifting and firing range of a another opponent's shooting unit, uh, ranged unit. So you can be 14 inches away exactly. Start of the round, you can take the free shot, shift the two up, shoot, and then use this card to potentially move in a way to get out of range. Or, you know, let's say maybe not their range unit, because I guess no matter what you do, they're going to then be in range. But you can, you know, maybe shoot one of their units and then move back out of range to, where, to keep your range unit protected. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot uh, you can kind of do with something like that where... Um, just before your opponent's about to do what they're, they they want to do, you play this card on their turn, and then you know that two extra, even if it's just a two inch shift, I mean, they could have been wanting to charge you and had needed a four or better, and they're like, you know what, fifty fifty, I'm willing to take that. It's a good enough, uh, um, you know, choice right now. And you go a swift, swift reposition two inches back, and you're like, okay, okay are you still going to make that attempt that charge on a six? Uh, I mean being able to play this on your turn or your opponent's turn really can put uh, your opponent in a bind if they've already made up their decision on what they wanted to do ahead of time and you play this card and kind of throw them off their game. What do you think, Brett? 
Um, this is going to be controversial, but in my opinion, this is it, it's just better. Um, first point. It can work on cavalry. Uh, that's huge. Um, it could work on a dire wolf. <laughs> Again, it, uh, going back to what Dave said with, with ranged, uh, I'm actually going to disagree with you, Dave, with very, very smart positioning, very, very careful positioning. Uh, this is coming from I, I've recently started playing ranged in competitive. All of my list pairings have at least one ranged unit. Um, I'd like to toot my horn a little bit and say I think I play ranged pretty well. I normally don't lose my ranged units. You can position your ranged unit such that they can shift two inches and shoot another ranged unit, but the other ranged unit cannot shift two inches and shoot you back. With that said, just like you said, I can shift my guys up where your guys couldn't shoot me. Now I can shift in. I can shift in, shoot you. You would normally be able to fire right back. I play this at the start of your turn. I shift back two inches because of the angle that I'm positioned and the angle that you are. Since a shift is straight forward or sideways and not at any angle, you can't shoot me again. And I just got a free shot onto your range. In a lot of these games where range units are threatening and zone controlling, if one range unit gets that advantage over the other, that's generally what turns the game. So with that, get – I mean, I – I hate the term get good, right? It's, it's a sarcastic kind of, <laughs> it's, it's like a low-key insult. So without saying the words get good spelled G-I-T-G-U-D, practice really careful positioning. Practice really precise pivoting and positioning in a manner that your opponent cannot just shift and shoot you, but you can shift and shoot them. And this card is a godsend. Um, it's going to save your ranged unit while allowing your unit to sneak and attack in. Very, very cool card. I like it a lot for all of the reasons you guys mentioned as well. You know, defensively shifting back, oh, now you're maybe out of charge range or your charge range is just too deep, and I'm going to punish you for charging me um, because you might fail. You know, things like this. Very, very, very cool, subtle key changes that really reward tactical play. So I am a fan of anything that's rewarding tactical play. Yep, and as uh, we'll, we've already gone through uh, between this one and Winter's Coming Devastating Impact, there's three cards of the seven that want you to have the maneuver zone. So uh, as I had mentioned, combining this card immediately before or after taking the maneuver zone to just compound on, on the distance that you're going to be able to cover is just you know helping you in the end, you know, if you have a swift reposition and a devastating impact or winter is coming in hand, you not only can move up the field, let's say your berserkers move up the field uh, nine inches, you now have, let's say, either of those two cards because they both give you a reroll on the charge distance with a six move. I mean, you can really, you can still cover a ton of distance with this card. Uh, next up, we will be talking about the North Remembers. Start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to them until the end of the game. When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. While this card has a token, attach this, uh, this attached unit always attacks using its highest attack die value, and when you control the combat zone, counts as rolling a six for all charge distance dice. So they basically took the auto six from the devastating impact, 
threw it onto here. And even though it requires something to die of yours to trigger, and not only that, also have the uh, combat zone, that means as long as you have that combat zone, you're going to be making six-inch charges, auto-six charges across the field all the time. Uh, one thing to note, though, is that just because it's an auto six does not mean it will ignore the new terrain. So if you go right over the new hindering rules, you will be uh, not getting rerolls, uh, but you will still get that charge, which is still important. Um, I think this is uh, overall, I like it better than the old North remembers simply because the old North remembers just shenanigans with killing a wolf. Uh, and then also the fact that this card is, something you want to see early game now. I mean, you want to see it any time of the game, I guess, technically, but just the fact that you want to see it early game rather than, you know, having the North Remembers early, uh, the 1.6 North Remembers early meant that it was pretty much a dead card. Uh, how are you feeling about this change, Craig? Sorry, I had you muted. I love it. Um, like you said, it, it it's... Whenever you get North Remembers early, it sucks. You end up throwing it away. I do anyway. Um, this this helps you cycle your hand faster without wasting cards, without throwing them away. Um, and then I've had problems in the past where if I've got a bunch of wounded units and I know something's going to die, but I need the tactics board instead of activating a unit, uh, I have to take the tactics board, and then I don't have a unit activated when it dies, and I still can't play North Remembers. So this just opens up so many more ways which to use it. Um, the old one was good, but I think this is a lot better, a, a lot more um, more tools for the toolbox again. And as you know, I like anything that increases my charge distance. Now, how about you, uh, Justin? Because I know we're just talking about devastating impact and that auto six. How do you kind of feel about it being on this card with all of its uh, requirements? Uh, well, this card is a token. The attachment it always attacks. I don't know. Kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't. Obviously, that's just my mannerisms. Uh, it doesn't suck. Like it's, it's really powerful. Um, but I guess one good thing, even though you could kind of predict who they were going to use devastating impacts auto six on before, at least now you'll have a, like a physical and visual representation of who's getting it. And, uh, perhaps you can, I mean, I guess you have a little bit of ability to play around it instead of killing things. Uh, maybe you decide because you don't want them just getting auto six charges on you that you just, you play the objective game, you weaken their units. I don't know, different, different options, depending on the army that you're playing. Maybe you put a lot of effort into charging the unit that has the token, getting an auto six, uh, tying them up and essentially negating the card besides the highest attack value thing. So I don't know. Uh, there's, there's obviously more ability to play around it, so I think this one I'll have to off to play against to see how I like it. Uh, I think it is important to note as a Stark player, since it is start of any turn, uh, if you know that your opponent's about to kill one of your units, you could place it on a unit that you want to charge, and either your opponent's still going to kill that unit, and then you're going to get a nice, sweet, juicy six charge, 
or they change their mind and leave your unit alive. So that could be a really cool play to have with this. Yep. Yeah, especially if you're going to have, you know, because you can start of the turn, place it on a unit, take the your first uh, action to be the combat zone to get a free attack, and then as their action, if they're about to kill someone, they know that they're going to trigger both effects on these cards. So what about you, Brett? How do you feel about this one? Uh, you know, again, going going back to the fact that I play largely competitive, I have played so many Stark Mirror matches. Um, one cool thing about this version of the card is um, it's not a guessing game, right? Um, I've been on the receiving end and the giving end of it. It's like, do you want to kill that unit? Look where my look where my berserkers are. They're in your flank. <laughs> if you're going first <laughs> next round, you can turn around and do something about that. But if you kill that unit right now. Oh, you don't have winners coming. Oh, no. What are you going to do? Are you going to kill them? Do I really have it? Am I bluffing? You know, and those those little <laughs> games are fun, right? It's really cool to see players that are really knowledgeable and just know everything that can happen, and, and they're, they're weighing that risk, right? Like, is it worth it to do this uh, and, and potentially get charged? Is it worth it? I don't know. Um, do you force the situation like what Craig said where you – you get them at the start of the next round, you kill them off before they've activated the unit. Um, but I just like the fact that now it's like, yeah, I know who's got the North Remembers, man. Like, I'm not killing this unit. I'm going to go kill the unit that you just put the North Remembers on. That's my new target. That's the <laughs> unit that's going to die. So I like the counterplay. I like the fact that both players have some counterplay. The Stark player has the ability to use this card as kind of a bait, as kind of a, you know, flex. Like, here it is. What are you going to do? But the opponent has the ability to play around that. So um, I like it. Uh, it. It's definitely better than the whole gotcha. And definitely, as a guy who's run dire wolves over stakes, sometimes round one, just to get that, that very first kill, um, I'm, I'm very glad that it's not going to work on dire wolves anymore. That was so cheesy. So... Um, and uh, so that completes the seven generic uh, faction cards. Uh, next up, we have the Rob uh, Stark, the revealed commander. His three cards. First one is Sudden Retreat, uh, which is was uh, Tactical Regroup. Uh, sudden Retreat is after an enemy completes a melee attack, target the defender, they perform one retreat action. If the this targets Rob Stark's unit and may reroll any retreat distance dice. Um, so he Rob seems to be kind of keeping the same theme as he had before. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, so I believe we actually missed a generic card. Um, the probably the most important one. I I would think a lot of people would think. So uh, so we'll we'll get back to sudden retreat and we're gonna jump over to assault orders. When a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one melee attack action. If that NCU claimed the uh, combat zone, this combat unit may perform one charge action instead. So I'm going to jump over to Justin first for this one. How do you feel about uh, this card? Well, uh... I think generally I'm usually okay with replace spots. 
it can be pretty rough when it is a free attack, but we've seen that in the game plenty with Stormcrows. Uh, so it's not like it's anything new. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I closed the picture. Back to the picture. There it is. Um, the charge action, too, can be powerful, but once again, like... Well, not once again, but Swords is a pretty often taken spot by any faction. So playing against a Stark player, you, you're probably going to have the mindset of... Like if they're if they're in a position where you really don't want them charging you because they've already activated or whatever the case, uh, you're gonna want to probably take that that sword zone even if it's just to waste it. Um, it's nice that it's one free melee attack action. So uh, it seems to me, and I think we've talked about it, that range is going to be a lot better than it's been. Not that range was ever bad. I've had wild success with range, but I'm not really sure Bastards Girls technically counts, but uh, <laughs> I've seen range do some pretty good stuff, but there does seem to be a little more emphasis on range. Um, so not letting that get out of hand is really important, and that does appear that that is somewhere in their mindset, so that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I think it's going to be a powerful card yet a card that is manageable from the other perspective. You know, the fact that if you want that free charge action, you have to cover up the free attack action, Mm -hmm. which this card could give you anyways with any other spot. So unless you're not, unless you really needed that maneuver zone, you just wanted to attack. But uh, I think one of the best things about this card is that there's a lot of times there's that round where, nothing's engaged, but you don't want to be the first person to charge because you want to give the opponent the ability to take the free attack, especially if your charge doesn't work very well and you just kind of bounce off their armor. Um, This card allowing you to get that charge while covering the combat zone is just, I think, super strong. How about you, Craig? Uh, I think it's an improvement upon what sudden charge was. A lot of times in the past with sudden charge, um, late game, it'd be uh, useless. Um, You're holding an objective or whatever, you're not charging anymore. So if you draw sudden charge late, you're kind of screwed and end up tossing it out. I can't tell you how many times I wish that uh, it gave me a free attack instead of a free charge, and now it does both. Um, I like how these cards all have multiple uses. Um, So many powerful as the Stark deck is right now, it's kind of one-dimensional, where you're either charging or buffing your attacks. This gives you so many more tools in your toolbox, and this card is the perfect example of that than what you had before, giving you so much more flexibility, and I am a huge fan of it. Also, it looks like it could be a pretty nasty combo with the North Remembers. Uh, North Remembers? Um, you mean like uh, with... Players, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if you are already have North Remembers active, and then you yep. take uh, take the combat zone, replace it with Assault Orders, and then charge Auto 6. Yep, I see it now. Uh, yeah, that could be definitely uh, devastating. and and again it gets you more shots with your bowman too did what it gets you more uh, attacks with your bowman too since we talked about range gives you more attacks 
assault orders, doesn't it? Uh, no, I'm uh, sorry. It's, it's uh, melee, melee only. That's Yep, my fault. <laughs> you better be sorry. Uh, Brett, uh, how do you feel about this card? <laughs> uh, it's a much fair, much more fair version of Sudden Charge. Um, I got into this with my discussion with Fabio. I am of the opinion that one of the biggest reasons that the the meta shifted to primarily three NCU, um, almost to where it felt mandatory, was the existence of sudden charge. Um, you could leave the crown zone open, and then your opponent just goes messing around on the board, and it's like, oh no, they're gonna sudden charge me off the crown. <laughs> now the fact that they can't do that, I I can live with a free attack, right? I can live with a free attack, like you guys mentioned the sword. Starting in round two, probably the most popular zone, right? Uh, you've got ranged attacks. You've potentially got things engaged. More importantly, the ranged attacks are in range. Free attacks are going to be great. I'm not giving you the swords. <laughs> like, I know that this card exists. I, I'm so much better with eating a free attack with without the rerolls. Maybe you can play Winner's Might or something. That's fine. Um, but I'm, I'm not giving you a free charge anywhere. I'm doing my best to fill up the board and take sudden charge off the board. Now with sudden charge, you know, it's being assault orders and it only is a free charge off the swords. I can play around that. I'm fine with that. So for me, it's flexible again to both players. Uh, Craig brings up a very good point again, as a start player, um, it's kind of a combination between what, um, a combination between what uh, Craig was saying and what uh, Dave was saying. A lot of times I find, and um, this isn't me being like holier than now, but a lot of times what I find with Stark players and myself sometimes too, sudden charge is almost like a trap card. It's almost like a bait card to yourself. You're like, man, I have sudden charge. Like I really want to go in there and charge these guys. But you're not minding the activation order. You're not minding the order of operations, particularly when you're playing something like Baratheons, like – don't go do that, Brett. Don't go, don't go <laughs> plop down on the sword and sudden charge those wardens who haven't activated because they're going to go grab the letters and they're going to stag resilience you. Just be patient and wait it out. But I see a lot of Starks do that. Like, I have a sudden charge in my hand. I have to set up this sudden charge, and I have to take the free charge. But sometimes that's not the smart play, right? Uh, the flexibility of it being a free attack instead I, I'm agreeing with Craig. This version is actually better, but it's better for the opponent too because you can work around that charge. I guess if that makes sense. I like it because it's universally more playable for both players. Oh, I totally agree. I think uh, as Craig was kind of mentioning, I agree that you know there's been tons of games as you know a Stark player where it's the end of the game and I'm sitting here with like tons of charge cards, like, you know, between sudden charge, the devastating impact and the winter's coming. And I'm just like, I can't play any of these because everything's engaged. Like I could like unengage, but a lot of the times, you know, it, whether it be with the free maneuver or their actual action, uh, unengaging that way will just, they'll just recharge, you know, back into you in a lot of cases. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, if it is their action to disengage, then you can't even charge that turn anyways with, you know, if you have, like, 
winter's coming devastating impact. So it's nice that this is more of a card for just a free attack than it is a free charge, but it still gave you that free charge option. So I do like, uh, I like, I just feel like this tactics deck is going to be a lot more um, friendly with triggers and, you know, timings and being able to combo cards while not having too much of the same trigger to, you know, feel like you have dead cards. I feel like that's one of the, themes we keep seeing with these tactics decks is that uh, you're going to see a lot less uh, you know, stuff that's kind of dead to you and a lot more usefulness throughout the game rather than just the beginning, just the middle, just the end. Um, with that said, we'll jump back over to the sudden retreat from uh, Rob's first tactics cards. Uh, I'll read it uh, for clarification again. It's after an enemy completes a melee attack, target the defender. They perform one retreat action. If this targets Rob Stark's unit, it may reroll any retreat distance dice. So uh, I think uh, we might have seen something like this before already. Uh, Brett, why don't you take us away with this one? Uh, or something similar anyways. Retreat. This is this is just swift retreat. Um it's sudden retreat as a tactic card and swift retreat is Rob's order, right? Or are we doing Rob's cards? Cards. Uh it's a sudden retreat, his first card. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay. So when we get down to Rob, he's got swift retreat. It's basically the exact same thing. Uh yeah, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Uh it's a basic card for Targaryens. It, in current 1.6, it's the order on the Outriders. We know that it's very, very good. We know that it can be really, really nasty, particularly with uh, uh, this is more flexible as a start card because you have things like Tully Cav, who we know carry lances. We don't know what lances do yet, but probably really nasty things when they charge because that's what lances do. They stab you really, really hard. So the fact <laughs> that you think that you're pinning down these Tully Cavaliers and or even Flademan. I mean, we know Flademan. They're disgusting when they charge. So you 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 want to charge the Flademan? Aha! <laughs> you will not charge me and get critical blows. And they're like, what, what, what? We're going to retreat and charge you anyway. So it's we know it's powerful. It's incredibly good. How about you, Craig? How do you feel about uh, this card? You still there, Craig? That darn me. I can answer. answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was going to answer for yeah, you I'm... because I know you love this card. <laughs> Just change, change do, your uh, voice a little. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't really have much to add to it other than I'm glad to see that they kept it as an ability and a card. Um, because, like he said, it's incredibly powerful to get yourself unengaged again, especially with well the current all the current charge cards, but even the new cards going forward. I'm a big fan of it, and will always be a big fan of it. Other than that, nothing really to add to it. Then, how much do you hate this card? I know that you love everything Stark, and I you know, know that I, you love playing. You love playing Outriders. So, how do you feel with this being a tactics card? I'm super confused by. I love to play Outriders. <laughs> I never play Outriders. Uh, no, I mean, you love I, to play against them. You love. You love 
finally catching them, and then they retreat. <laughs> so I never, like, our group doesn't use Rob very often, but I always found him to be, like, I like the way he plays. I think it rewards better players more than it does anything else. And it really emphasizes on one of the greatest things about this game that I don't really find in other games as much, but it's positioning. Like, like millimeters matter in this game by a lot. The way you turn matters by single degrees as opposed to, you know, 90-degree arcs and stuff like that. Uh, so I always found Rob's cards to be really cool. And, like, they never kicked me in the nuts super hard metaphorically like they're really good <laughs> but like people around me don't use them much they always they they favor the the other commanders more the healing the defensiveness the i'm gonna hit you with a big stick and it's called a sword um so i'm okay with this card and all of his cards honestly i don't think they're dramatically different uh and you you kind of know that it's definitely possible, and it's nothing new either. Like this exists already, so it's, it's not groundbreaking. All right, and then uh, sorry, I was uh, screening a caller that might uh, jump on in a little bit. Uh, Brett, uh, did you talk about this card yet? Yeah, I, I talked about it. We it's it's good. We know it's good. It's existed in the game. Um, also, like to point out, Brett doesn't play Starks. Brett plays Rob Stark, like exclusively Rob Stark. <laughs> you go back to the tournaments and it's Rob, Rob, like Rob with a bunch of infantry, Rob with some cavalry mixed in, Rob with a bunch of berserkers, Rob with lots of cavalry. <laughs> Just Rob, Rob, whatever whatever flavor of Rob. Uh, you should play Blackfish, then you might be uh, unbeatable. See what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, next up, we have Superior Positioning. When an enemy performs a charge action before resolving that action, if that enemy charges a unit in front, they suffer a disorderly charge on charge distance rolls of three or less. If they suffer a disorderly charge, they become vulnerable. So... I would say this is the one card I'm kind of indifferent about. Uh, I mean, suffering a disorderly on three or less, I mean, that's a 50-50. Even if, like, they're auto in, like, let's say no matter what they roll, they're going to get the charge, uh, they could still would happen. I just don't like that it's 50-50. I feel like you have just as much of a chance that it happens as it doesn't. And I feel like those odds for a tactics card, I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty big. Uh, the fact that they could come become vulnerable, you know, they wouldn't get tactics cards or rerolls. So I don't know. Um, Craig, we'll uh, go to you first. How do you kind of feel about this card? Uh, it's it's not a bad card. It's not a waste of a card, but it's not that great either. Because like you said, fifty fifty. Sometimes all they need to do to do what they want to do is connect anyway. Um, I like the old version better where they add the extra dice, take the lower result, because there's a much higher chance. It, it actually made a chance that you could fail it. Where in this, it, um, you know, if you're going to be auto-in, then you're going to be auto-in. 
it, I don't know. It, it's okay. It, like you said, it's not a waste because it affects t- orders and tactics cards. But other than that, yeah, I feel kinda, like it's, it's taking up a spot in the deck. I feel like it's one of those that if it goes off, it's amazing. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna take that away from the card. I think the card is, you know, has so much potential. I just don't like the 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 fact that I have I'm playing a card from my from my hand that is fifty fifty. Like even if it was like uh, four or less, that way at least it was a sixty six percent chance in my favor. Um, rather than you know fifty fifty, I don't know. Uh, that's just kind of how I feel because if this if this card goes off, you know it it could be the difference between you know a unit dying or even maybe taking any damage um, or, you know, 50-50 and it doesn't really do anything. Uh, what do you think about this one, uh, uh, Justin? He just said he's got to go. Oh, okay. So thank you so much, Justin, for coming on. Um, Brett, uh, how about you? I think you guys are crazy. Ah, no one cares uh, what you have to say. The, All right, going on to the next one. <laughs> the current, the current, <laughs> the current version of Ross, right? I do, I do one of two things with superior positioning, and then I guess a wild card third thing. If I have it in my hand and I'm absolutely desperate, I throw it out. Maybe you'll roll a one. Um, otherwise, it's for the three inch maneuver on Rob, and then I feel like an asshole because I take him. I take him back three inches, I make him unchargeable. Uh, and then I feel like a jerk because you declare to charge into Rob, you can't legally charge, so you just sit there. Uh, fun game. Uh, <laughs> this card, I, man, 50-50 for a disordered charge, that is really, really good. And on top of that, the kick in the nuts, and you're vulnerable. And presumably um, I'm going to get to attack you or do something to you while you're vulnerable before you have the opportunity to – use the money bags and take that vulnerable token off. I think this card's phenomenal, largely because it doesn't have to be played on Rob's unit. It can be played on anybody, and you can, you've got a very good chance to make it, make it disorderly. I think the roll two dice select the lowest is even more niche than this. I think this is fantastically playable. I will play it on the first time you charge me if I have it in my hand. I don't have to <laughs> conflict with Rob's disorderly charge order now, which was the other problem with it. If you're not charging Rob and you're charging a unit, they're probably close to Rob. I'm just going to disorder the charge because it's better. Then I'm going to go at the end of the round and I'm going to throw a superior positioning at my opponent. <laughs> like, there you go. Take it. Uh, if it that randomly makes me discard a card, like uh, Tyrion or something, and they grab superior positioning, I'm like, ha-ha! Ha-ha! You took the worst card. Thank you for taking that. I was going to throw it away anyway. Not that it's a badly designed card. The three-inch maneuver on Rob is fantastically, disgustingly, funnily, really bad for your opponent if you've got it set up right. Like, with the new charge rules, like, there's so many options. Like, oh, Rob's going over by the stakes, and you don't have a choice but to charge because you declared it. And then then he's going to retreat away, and you're stuck on the stakes. Like, there's a lot of play with that three-inch maneuver, right? which is another reason that that three-inch shift is phenomenal. But getting away from that, I like this card better. A 50-50 for a disordered charge for me, I'm playing it every single time. 
See, I think the only thing I don't like about it is the percentage of the of it happening. Like, I think this card is, I like this card a lot better than its uh, 1.6 version, ex- except for the fact that it's 50-50. I just think if it was like four or less, like I said before, 66%, you know, still not crazy. Uh, like, it's not going to be auto but still slightly in your favor because it is your tactics card. Um, So I don't know. Time will tell. Um, It's definitely, like you said, Brett, it's going to be one of those cards that obviously you're probably just going to kind of play it to play it. And then you just kind of go, okay, let's see if it happens. Um, Especially with the tactics deck in general being so much more flexible and you're going to be able to probably eat through your cards much quicker because you're not going to have to really hold on to a lot of these cards ever um you're just going to be playing them as you go uh so it's definitely going to be one of those cards where you just kind of you know you play it because i believe this is the only if you're running rob this is the only card in the tactics deck that has that trigger so you're not really gonna have to worry about not playing it so you can play another uh thing so um yeah i mean time will tell uh i don't i i still think it's a good card it's just not as good as I would hope it would be, I guess is where I'll leave it. Um, hit and Run is the last card uh, that we have to talk about tonight, which is after a friendly unit completes a melee attack. If that unit began the turn engaged with the defender, they perform one retreat action. If this targets Rob Stark's unit, each enemy they disengage from becomes weakened. So just another way to pull off a retreat and as we'll talk about in just a second right after this card uh rob has an effect that he gets every time he uh completes a a retreat action so um just giving these ways to get out of combat i think is just awesome uh and then you know we're seeing not only we're seeing with devastating impact giving uh panicked and vulnerable now we're seeing superior positioning potentially giving a vulnerable hit and run potentially giving a weekend I mean, just built into the tactics deck, we have all these ways to give out tokens. How do you feel about this one, Craig? Um, I, I like that they added the token to it. Oh, good, I'm not muted this time. All right, I like that they added the token to it. Um, if that unit began the turn engaged, they perform a retreat action. Uh, before, I don't believe you had to begin the turn engaged. So that makes it a little more niche. But that's okay. I think before it was a little bit OP because you could just totally cav charge in with sudden charge and then bounce off and then do it again. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So I, I, th- think that's something I think that's, that's a good change. I'm, I'm sorry, what? I think that's actually, I was going to say, I think that's actually something Fabio brought up in uh, the talk either with uh, Brett, I think it was one that you were in, that you know, the fact that you could just charge in and then just like you said, bounce right out of it from the attack. I don't know if that was ever really like, I don't know if I should say intended, but it was just kind of one of those things that didn't feel right. And I think that's why they ultimately came up with this, uh, this change to it. Right. I I think it's a good change. I think it's good for the game. Um, And I'm glad that they did keep a version of the card in it for Rob. So overall, I'm pretty happy with it. What about you, Brett? 
Yeah, I mean, the old version was nuts. Um, what it essentially was, it always had the weakened token. You just had to control the horse. Um, what it essentially was, was a, uh, it was a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Um, I'm going to go make this charge. Uh, it's going to be the alpha strike. But if it doesn't work out so well, it's fine because I'm retreating six inches back towards my line. Battle lines tend to stay close to 13 to 14 inches apart. I'm retreating probably 11 back because I'm Starks and I'm unreasonably fast. Uh, It's almost no harm, no foul. Like, oh, I hit you. Uh, Sad day for Baratheons. No counter charge. No um, ours is the Fury because you're not engaged with me. I retreated back too far for you to reasonably counter charge. Um, This version's better. It's cool. Um, it gives some more playability. It synergizes well with the fact that um, Assault Orders works off of any zone, things like this. It's just healthier for the game. People are going to lament it, you know, oh, I can't charge in anymore and do Stark stuff. Like, yeah, you know, like I said, I play nothing but Rob. I have been doing Stark stuff for the last year, and it's just not fair. So, uh, no, <laughs> you can't charge in and play Hit and Run anymore, and that's that's probably good. So, uh, very nice, good card. Um, still very strong. Still has the ability to set up similar plays. Just stuff isn't given to you for free. Uh, the biggest part of that is the no more free six-inch retreat. Like, just so much good stuff with that card. Hit and run and tactical regroup and Rob's order are why I play Rob. So, like, yeah, those cards are just phenomenal in 1.6. They are game-breaking, and good if you're playing Rob, bad if you play against him. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think overall, um, to wrap up like the tactics deck portion, uh, I think Simon has done an amazing job in really sort of toning down the overall tactics deck while improving it. Like They were able to tone it down in the ways that it needed toning down but improved it in so many other ways to make the deck, in my opinion, just more versatile, more like better in general uh, than it was before. Um, jumping straight into Rob Commander uh, Commander attachment, uh, he has the order tactical reposition that we had referenced before, which is the start of an enemy turn. Target one friendly unit in short range. They perform a three-inch shift. So I think this. Uh, ability combined with uh, swift reposition can just add for a lot of uh, you know extra positioning and then he also has the ability regroup after completing a retreat action this unit restores two wounds plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks and this isn't an order so you will get it every single time that you retreat with him uh, how do you feel about this change to Rob uh, Craig Oh, I think it's amazing. Um, the the, the three-inch shift, uh, it, I think, is better than what he did before. Uh, and that's not to touch on regroup. Uh, I am a fan of keeping my units alive, especially my commander. So I am a huge fan of this change. I think that Rob might actually almost be good enough for me to put Tully aside for. Almost. <laughs> uh, so I, one thing that 
always that uh, kind of jumps out at me with the tactical reposition is like having totally uh, sworn shields. I mean, we haven't seen them yet, but I can only assume that they're probably still a four, four inch move. You know, having them next to Rob's unit, or even uh, uh, even if Rob's in that unit, because it says uh, target one friendly unit in short range, so it can be his own unit. And now, you know, they're kind of making up for that uh, that really being really slow, because you know, marching plus a three inch shift meaning they're going 11, which is more than a five-inch, uh, a five-move uh, unit would march. How do you feel about this guy, yeah, the, uh, Brett? Or go ahead, Craig, if you had more to add. So, yeah, there's so many uses for that. You can pull people out of enemy charge lines. Um, you can push, like you mentioned, the, the Tullys. You can move them in front of an enemy to block off a more important unit you want to protect. I mean, there's so many different ways you can use it. It opens up the game. It really does. Well, I'll tell you How what you can't you? do with it. <laughs> what? You can't, you, can't, you can't shift out of combat because that has now been confirmed <laughs> by Fabio and Michael Chanel. Both. Oh, uh, well, technically it has to be written down first. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't seen it written anywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> it'll, be not taken, it'll be taken it. care of by the time these rules are live. Anyway, it needs now, to be chiseled. As a former Rob player, or not as a former, I'm, a, I'm like a current Rob player. As a player of the old Rob, <laughs> what what's soon to be the old Rob, um, yeah, his um, his order to make a charge disordered is great. Uh, it saves me many, many, many times, but totally trade it for these two orders, even right now, even in the current meta. These are phenomenal. I see Rob Stark. Uh, you know, I already love him, so I was going to play him anyway. But, yeah, it's just reinforced the fact that I'm – if I play Stark, I'm playing Rob. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, just, yeah. Ugh. I'd probably put him in black. Could you also – like, well, you can also imagine that's that defensive. Oh my God! <laughs> well, you could even imagine, you know, in the missions where you pick up the token, and uh, let's say they can't steal the token from you because of ranks, and they're really trying to make you, you know, drop it because of panic, and you just keep passing your panic, and you just go, okay, retreat. Now it's two plus D six. And now you're moving faster than you normally would by retreating with the token and you're healing from doing it. And then they charge back into you. And then if they can't take it again, you just retreat again. And now you're just like playing cat and mouse while healing. Um, I mean, <laughs> and tactical reposition because you'll retreat, let's say a four. Uh, so you'll retreat six inches um, on average or so. And then you'll, at the start of their turn, tactical reposition three inches even further. <laughs> or I guess it would, it, would it be three or two? Would the objective uh, turn it into two, or is it because no, the shift, it, it, you'd get the full three? Right, you would get the full three. No, okay, it's funny so yeah, that you bring that, that up. The NRG mega, mega event was my first, like, real big TTS tournament, and I will never forget my first game of NRG. I ran Rob, of course. I drew Baratheon. It's this, like, super defensive, three-plus defensive save Baratheon army. 
like all wardens and rose knights, and they're just bearing down on my line. I took Rob, ran up and grabbed the token. I took the outriders, ran up and grabbed the token, let them have the center token. And literally, I kid you not, the entire game, all I did was retreat. The whole game. <laughs> retreat. <laughs> I just retreated the entire game. My telecab just stood in the way. They never charged one time, my telecab. They just stood in the way and body blocked, provided emboldened, and everybody else just ran away. They, I just retreated the whole game. Every time my opponent charged into me, I disordered the charge. <laughs> it had to be so frustrating for my opponent, but I, I distinctly remember that game. I was like, this is just ridiculous. I'm, I'm just retreating. This has to be the most boring game ever. Thank God it wasn't streamed. That's uh, similar to what happened uh, the finals, my, the last round in finals at Adepticon. Uh, I was playing against Night's Watch at Dance Dragons, and I ran Blackfish with uh, Great Axes right up the middle with some free maneuver swift advances and grabbed the uh, center objective. And then I just kept moving backwards the whole game. And then I had two set for charges in hand. And then he'd charge me, set for charge, use their action, retreat. And then <laughs> there was like almost nothing he could do, especially because both of us placed Palisades down. And that was when Palisades couldn't be destroyed. So <laughs> there was four Palisades all like mucking everything up. Uh, but yeah, retreating definitely can be a very viable strategy. Uh, and you really, you know, as, you know, if you're playing against that, you really have to keep that in mind that not everyone's just going to sit there and try to trade blows with you. You know, it's not always a smart move. Um, moving on, uh, we have Rob Stark's attachment, non-commander attachment, uh, infantry attachment, which is two points, uh, has the order swift retreat, similar as, uh, as you mentioned, Brett, as the sudden retreat tactics card. So after an enemy completes a melee attack uh, on this unit, the unit performs one retreat action, and he has enhanced mobility. This unit gains plus one move and may pivot before marching. So I would have to say the fact that he's one point cheaper than his 1.6 version, and you're swapping out that free charge with the swift retreat, he's even more of a uh, a value than he was before, in my opinion, because I loved putting this guy in Berserkers and making a seven-inch seven inch move with pivoting before a march. I mean, marching 14 inches, pivoting and then marching 14 inches is insane. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I agree with you. They dropped a point and kept the plus one to movement, which I'm happy. That's all I want to see. Um, the sudden charge is gone, but Swift Retreat makes up for it. I didn't get the sudden charge off that often anyway because everyone knew it was coming. Um, at least with the Swift Retreat, you don't have to take a specific zone. Um, you drop a point, but you lose the wolf, uh, but it was my least favorite wolf anyway. So I like it. Um, you know, they kept the speed, and that was my main concern, so I'm happy. Yeah, and we'll talk about Grey Wind and the change they did to him in a second, but I want to point out right before I jump to you, Brett, is that part of me feels like you might still take Grey Wind if you take the attachment, Rob, because uh, it's not that much investment, but I think you're going to really start seeing Grey Wind almost you know, all the time if you take Rob Commander, since obviously Rob will be free, uh, whereas with his attachment, 
Um, it's going to really kind of just depend on your list and how you're building it. How do you feel about this guy, Brett? I think at two points, and like you said, we'll get to gray wind and just how good he is. I think people are going to figure out just how good pivoting and marching is. Uh, when I did this review, I didn't hear a lot of people commenting. They kind of dismissed that ability. But like you said, a pivot and a march at plus one move is just amazing. Yeah, I I mean, like I was saying, Berserkers, it, especially because now Berserkers are uh, one point cheaper. I mean, because before the combo required 10 points to run Rob and Berserkers, and I did it. I did it for a long time. It wasn't until, like, Hodor and Rickon got dropped points and that I just found better ways to spend my points that I finally took Rob out, but it was a long time. And for the longest time, Rob uh, three point attachment in berserkers was by far my favorite combo. And now, you know, you're looking at eight points to do this combo. Uh, Grants, you don't have that free uh, action, the free attack or charge, I should say, free charge ability, but now you have a free retreat ability that you can do easily after being attacked, especially if they want to try to attack you first, drop some ranks on your berserkers, give you that free retreat to then charge back in. I mean, it really can put some pressure on your opponent in deciding what order to kind of do things. Uh, and then jump right into Greywind real quick. He is now three points to take him and may only be fielded in an army, including Rob Stark. His stats are a six move, a three up to hit with four dice, a four up defense, a two up morale. He has the innate ability of Direwolf. This unit has four wounds. And at the start of the unit's activation, it may perform one maneuver action. He has the combat profile of Tooth and Claw, giving him Sundering, and he has the ability Disrupt. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one to hit. So as I was saying, there's no reason not to take him if you're running Grab Stark. Three points for an activation that does all of this, even if you did nothing but kind of move him around in the backfield as an activation, he would be worth it. Not to mention that now he has a much beefier profile. He, If you position him in the right way, you can really just run into things and start, you know, wrecking up, you know, their backfield. How do you feel about uh, the change to Greywind, uh, uh, Craig, especially because he was, you know, you're saying you're the one you like the least. How are you liking him now? He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, as you know, I prefer to run Howland as one of my favorite commanders and negative one to hit is always so effective. Um, but now he gets Sundering as well. So usually, if you play your Wolves right, you should be getting Flank Charges. So now you're at negative two instead of negative one. Um, he's not going to kill over and die from a stiff breeze. Uh, I love everything about him. Um, the fact you had to pay extra points for him I think is a good thing. I think it's a change that needed to happen. Uh, one of the problems I have when list building is that right now I feel like I'm forced into certain choices to get the activation. Uh, because of the meta. If you're playing competitively and you're playing Starks, uh, do I take this attachment that gives me whatever ability, or do I pay the same points and take the one that gives me a wolf? Well, you got to take the one that gives you a wolf. So there are so many great attachments in Starks, but I always felt stuck taking the same three to get the wolf. Now that the wolf costs points, I think that'll change that. We'll see more attachments. We'll still see the Wolves, because if this is anything to go off of, they're all going to be amazing. 
Um, so I really like yeah. this change. It's one I think that needed to happen. Yeah, more than I any of the think, other changes. And just to take a wild guess, I'm assuming if you know Grey Wind is three points, we can only assume that the other ones are going to be three as well. So you're looking at a nine point investment plus uh, who knows how much. Uh, um, Rickon and Hodor are going to be, I mean, they could easily be two each as well. So, I mean, you're looking at nine plus, you know, you're looking at possibly 15 points in investment to get all of them. Granted, you could chop two off of there if you take Rob Commander. Um, it's a 13-point investment to run, you know, those three activations, which I think is totally fair. I think, uh, you know, you're getting a lot of value, even without knowing exactly what they do, what the other uh, stuff does. You know, but I mean, time will tell. How do you feel about it, Brett? Great one. It's phenomenal. Um, just looking at his abilities, it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be hard to leave home without him. Of course, I never would because, you know, I like Rob and his dog. But uh, comparing what old Graywind did, um, even as a free dog, he was usually the dog for me that died first. If someone had to be noble and go eat the steaks for the greater good. It was great win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be running this great wind over steaks. There's no, the, he's good. Um, that is such a good support unit and a nasty attack profile. So, I mean, if you compare it now to, you know, reduced attack profiles or excuse me, uh, re- yeah, reduced attack profiles as ranks die down, the fact that he's chucking out like the the same amount of attack dice as Sworn Brothers. Of course, he doesn't have Critical Blow, which the current Sworn Brothers do, but like that's just nut. Like a non-degrading four attacks hitting on threes with Thunder, it's going to do a lot of work. Um, I really, really like him. And guardsmen, to keep like in Lannister mind. guardsmen. Lannister guardsmen don't stand one single chance against this Dire Wolf. I'm just letting you know they're hitting on five with six attack dice. Uh, Grey Wind is laughing at Lannister supremacy. Uh, yeah, you don't have one chance without help of getting rid of Grey Wind if you're Lannister Guardsman or Blackguard for that matter. Uh, it would be pretty sad though if Lannister supremacy just popped him because <laughs> it's It'd not like lucky. impossible. I, mean, I, but... could, but... <laughs> I don't know if I'd be risk- risky enough to take that chance, <laughs> but. Um... One thing to note with him having four wounds now is he is a lot less uh, vulnerable to, like, these auto wounds that just kind of pop out of nowhere that we've seen in 1.6, you know, whether or not they'll still be a thing in 1.7. But, I mean, four wounds is definitely a safe number for any sort of effects out there to prevent, like, just popping them in one go. Uh, And um, it's nice to kind of see their wounds, uh, or at least Grey Wind's wounds, increased um with that said uh, we'll jump over to house umber great axes for seven points they are now a five inch uh maneuver or for their uh move stat is five uh, they have a four up defense a five up morale they have their attack profile is three up to hit seven six four 
their abilities are Executioner's Fury, giving them Sundering. Enemies suffer plus one wound from failing panic tests caused by this attack for each of the students destroyed ranks. And they also have the Unyielding, which is the unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests for each of its destroyed ranks. Now, before I jump over to you guys, one combo I think uh, I wanted to talk about that I kind of beginning of the show is uh, is the inclusion of Bolton units. So I'm thinking uh, Roos Bolton, the commander version that they revealed uh, in the Vision of the Flames non-combat units. Um, he gives intimidating presence, which is enemies suffer minus one to morale and plus one wound from failing panic tests. They'll also be a House Bolton unit, and they will also have the order spread fear. Uh, so you're paying seven points for these Umber uh, great axes with your commander in there. So as they start taking wounds, or I mean losing ranks, I mean you're really going to punish your opponent. And then the unyielding is really going to help keep them alive. Uh, I think that, uh, and you know, being able to give them Northern Ferocity to give them the Vicious and compound even more wounds. I mean you could be looking at being at last rank doing uh, minus three panic tests with plus five wounds. <laughs> what do you uh, think about that, Craig? I think they're perfect. Um, from, from what I know about this version of the game, which isn't any more than anybody else, but they hit on threes, which I've seen most units that I've seen so far have gone down to fours. So that's huge. They get that five-plus movement back. Their morale is not only is their morale improved, but they take less wounds from failing the test. I mean, what more do you want from them? They have Sundering. Uh, they've got average defense, good morale. They're, they're perfect. They find, I think they finally found the balance they've been looking for for this unit since they came out. Yeah, I think the one thing to note with these guys, though, because like, I've seen a lot of people compare them to Berserkers for one point less. Uh, I think universally, Berserkers are better for their point, you know, point to point value. I think Berserkers are better, but that's more so if we're talking about like taking a bunch of them or whatnot. Great axes are going to be that, you know, they're going to be for a very specific role combined with very specific things, you know, because I feel like standalone, uh, the Berserkers are just kind of better, but uh, the great axes, you know, combined with certain elements are just going to shine and you're really going to want to get like one of these units at least in your army to really, you know, punish your, your opponent. How do you feel about them, Brett? Um, they're good. Um, like Craig said, the attack profile, the relatively good defensive profile, I think they're going to be harder than, than what they look on paper to actually kill. Um, they've got thundering, they're pretty good. Um, kind of missed the no defensive saves element about them. It was pretty cool. Um, they did get their movement five back, you know, from the 1.4 update or whatever it was that made them speed five and ridiculous. Um, but <laughs> I, think play. I think they'll see play. They're not auto-include, which I think that's the goal, is that nothing should be an auto-include. And they still have a very good role. They're an armor buster and they add some panic damage in the right situation. So um, I think they can be good. Yeah, I think uh, these guys might shine as like a uh, 
a commander bunker. Uh, maybe not like, I wouldn't necessarily call it a bunker. They're not going to be like unmovable, but they're going to be a nice like mid-range, you know, defensive and offensive unit to give your commander different roles that they can play on the field. Um, then jumping into our last unit to talk about is the Stark Sworn Swords at five points, movement five, four up defense, six up morale, which is what they already have. They have a uh, the long sword, hang on four, seven, five, four. Uh, and then now Stark Fury has changed to when this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this unit or this attack gains critical blow and sundering. After completing this attack, this unit suffers two wounds, minus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. So I want to kind of touch on this one. This is the only thing I think I'm a little bummed about. And the reason being is just the fact that Stark Fury has the same uh, timing as Winter's Might, Northern Ferocity, uh, I believe also the revealed um, Umber uh, Champion, uh, and then uh, in the, I believe the On the Table podcast, uh, Michael had uh, revealed, um, verbally revealed, the, uh, they are confirmed that the Stark uh, Sworn Sword Captain is going to keep Marshall, is it called Marshall Training? But uh, we had seen that uh, the Targaryens had Marshall Training, which was, I believe, reroll attack dice and um, uh, vulnerable, but it also had the same trigger as Stark Fury. So I just, I don't like that you're not going to want either of those attachments in this unit. And you're not going to be able to play any of those, uh, either of those two cards with Stark Fury. I think there's just way too many triggers on there that these guys are going to be perfect if you just want to kind of run them bare bones for five points. And I think Stark Fury itself is amazing. I think it's way better than it was. I think Critical Blow Sundering and then the fact that you're, uh, what you take for wounds is a lot more, you know, you know what you're getting into by using it. I just don't like that a lot of their key stuff cannot combine with Stark Fury. How do you feel about it, Craig? I agree with everything you said. Um, I think the profile change, um, you know, hitting on fours, which they already did, but you had the plus one with Stark Fury. But losing the attack dice, I think that was needed. Um, again, it was another one of those things that was just too good for the points. Um like you said, I like that the Stark Fury no longer does a D3. It does uh, two wounds and one wound and zero. And my my gripe is the same as yours. Stark Fury should not be in order um, as far as the timing goes because, you, like you said, I mean, I'm just kind of kicking a dead horse here since you said it all, but I agree with you completely. It's It kind of, if you can't fit the unit into your army, and use its ability, you know, use the extra army's abilities, and Brett's going to tell me we're missing something, but that's okay, then <laughs> why would you take it? <laughs> you know, like, I would rather take something I can use those cards on, because then if if that that unit is what I have left to use, and I can't use those cards with it, and the unit's ability, I mean, I'm wasting one or the other, the unit or the cards. Yeah, and so I, I feel like, like it takes said, tools I, away from you instead of gives you tools. Like I said, I think the, like, 
other than the fact this has the same timing as that other all those other stuff, this unit is amazing. I absolutely love the changes. I think it's way better than it was uh, in you know in the ability itself, and you know the reduced dice is such a small change compared to some of the other units that we've seen change. Uh, I mean, because this use, unit was already hitting on fours, so. Um, in that regard, I think amazing change. I just, like you said, Craig, I, when I'm ar army building, if they're, depending on what other five-point units that the Starks might end up having, uh, like, currently or in the future, once everything gets revealed, I just, I find it hard being able to choose these guys over other things, knowing that I'm going to be stuck in those predicament of uh, timing or stuck in, you know, not wanting to take certain attachments that seem to be designed for these guys, but now don't seem to be that, you know, don't really work well with them. All right, Brett. So what do you think? I know we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that uh, they they went in that direction because this this new version of Stark Fury is just so powerful. Um, if you wanted to bring the attachment, you're kind of banking on um, getting assault orders to ensure that you're attacking twice. So on one of the attacks, you've got um, you can use the martial training order to put to put a vulnerable on them. Then you can. Um, do a free attack or your activation attack and use Stark Fury and really take advantage of that vulnerable token. Um, those synergies do exist. I get where you're coming from, um, but if, you, if, if you're spending the six points on the unit with the attachment, then you're going to need to put some resources into them. Um, and then it allows you to take those cards and put them into your other units. Like you can just not worry about using them on the Stark Sworn Swords because They'll be charging in. They'll be getting their sundering and critical blows. Or, um, yeah, ideally you would do that. Then you um, do like an assault orders, do the vulnerable and the rerolls. Uh, it should be comparable damage to sundering with no vulnerable token, no sundering with vulnerable token. Um, or you could start, like I said, engaged, go ahead and, and uh, do the sundering or do the vulnerable and rerolls, then take you know, assault orders or the swords the next round or something like this, use Stark Fury, capitalize. It's, it's just another one of those trade-off things. The Stark stuff is really, really powerful. So the price that you're paying is that, that your order overlaps with other abilities. But I think you will still get a, a ton of mileage if you're using assault orders on these sworn swords. You will get a ton of mileage out of them. They will still punch well out of their five, six-point weight class. Yeah, but with that said, I have six painted sworn sword units. How am I supposed to use all six? Huh? Yeah, I suppose. Um, all right. With that said, uh, that kind of wraps up everything here. I know this show's kind of run a bit long. We only have about uh, eight minutes left, but I do want to take at least one question from our caller. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, what, uh, what question did you have? Uh, are you still there? Uh, caller 1029. Hello? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. So Hello? we have time for okay. about one more question, uh, if you had something you wanted to ask. Uh, 
I'm, don't want to ask anything because it was pretty much everything said and done. Uh, it was more like an express of how I feel about the changes than anything else. Oh, yeah, that works. Yeah, if you want to just say something, kind of add your uh, uh, two cents. So uh, because it's very, very short time, it's, uh, but it's got to be very fast. Uh, Starks, uh, the problem with the overlapping triggers with like cards and some other effects, I think it's too much, but the ability itself is better. Sundry and Critical Blow is always a good combo. I love that part. The triggers with the cards and everything is the things that bother me the most right now. I, I'm a visual person, so I had to see them, everything work in the in the game to see if it's everything. All the changes better or worse, but the tactics cards, honestly, I don't like them. The tactics cards. Rob cards, I never like to play with Rob because he's not my style. Berserkers, it was everything I wanted Berserkers. Grey Wing, everything I wanted Grey Wing. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think uh, it's one of those things that you'll you'll have to get a lot of games in. Um, uh, now that this has been released, I definitely have uh, a lot of games I have scheduled with uh, my friend, try to start playing a bunch of 1.7 stu- revealed stuff against each other, like full-blown only using 1.7 revealed stuff, and kind of get a feel for it. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm I'm really optimistic person, so... Um, I usually kind of get my hopes up uh, more often than not, but I I don't know I have faith in Simon. I think uh, I think there might be something we're missing, and you really won't know until you play it. And I know Brett, uh, you've right. had the opportunity to play a bunch of it, so uh, that's why it's always nice to have your insight on some of the stuff. Uh, did you have any yeah, anything I, else I, you wanted to add? I know that's pretty much it. Just tactics cards, I'm iffy about it. Commanders, I really hope the commanders spice the deck with some kind of way that I probably like more. And I want to finally use Gradio number because his tactics cards, they've always been garbage <laughs> to me. <laughs> that's, that's it. So what were you going to say, Brett? I was just going to say I didn't play a whole lot of Starks in playtesting, but I obviously saw them and played them. Um, I can't really add too much without, you know, breaking NDA. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, um, you know, it's one of the things, like I said, you just, you got to kind of play test it to kind of get a feel for the changes because a lot of it has changed in such a way that, you know, on paper, it's always going to seem one way, and until you kind of get it on the table and kind of play through it, uh, you can kind of get the feel for the direction the army is going. So, but with that said, uh, thank you so much to our caller who came on uh, and gave uh, you know his you know thoughts. Uh, and all I have to say is, you know, time will tell. Um, it, we still got a couple more factions to be released to uh, kind of get the feel of the overall, you know, how all the factions are going to kind of fit together in in the in the meta or the developing meta. So, um, but we'll end it off by doing a couple shout-outs. I want to shout-out uh, 
Sunday Slaughter, uh, a very awesome podcast. I believe they are also going to be um, releasing their uh, podcast uh, soon. Uh, I think they're um, uh, recording it uh, now as we are recording ours. So definitely go check them out. They have a Patreon uh, that you can go support them. As far as us, if you want to support us, the best way you can do it is just word of mouth, sharing out our uh, content any way you can whether it be uh, word of mouth in your local game store or on Facebook or any sort of media site. Um, you know, we're on uh, a ton of different uh, um, places that you can listen to us, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And then we're working on a bunch of other places to get put on because we really don't care where you listen to us on, uh, just as long as, you know, you take the time to listen to us, and we appreciate that. Uh, Brett, uh, we got couple more minutes if you want to shout out the uh, Adepticon event. You still there, Brett? Or is that you, Craig? I'm still here. Oh, okay. Uh, so I guess uh, Brett uh, might have dropped. Um, I thought that was, uh, I thought Craig was Brett for a second there. Um so I will, I guess, uh, shout out the Adepticon event. It is this month. Um, let me look up the dates for you guys. It is the 27th and 28th of this month. going to be a bunch of uh, prize support. Uh, it is uh, official from CMON, and CMON's going to be providing a bunch of awesome stuff for anyone who attends. Um, so definitely check that out. It's going to be in Indianapolis at Family Time Games. Uh, they are going to be following all the precautions per the state, and you know they're going to have you know room for I believe like 28 people or so. I could be wrong by you know I could be off by a couple. And if they get over uh, that amount, they're looking into finding other venues to accommodate the size so that they can uh, you know follow all the state laws for uh, COVID and everything going on. Uh, you can. Sign up at songoficeandfirestats.com. Uh, you should be able to find the event on there and sign up. And, uh, yeah, uh, if you have any other questions, just uh, um, message myself or Brett, and we'll uh, get you the details for the event. With that said, thank you all for coming on uh, and listening to us. We appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you again, Craig, for coming on. Um, with that said, this is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>